And welcome back to The Coffee Podcast. I am your host, Weston Peterson, and joining me as always, Jesse Harmon. Hey, roll that beat again. Uh, There we go. And I can just feel my foot tapping and my head bopping to this. Man, I am. Every (laughs) body part I have is just (laughs) moving to the beat. Uh, I want to give a thanks to my buddy Steven who put that beat together. That's great. If you guys need any beats at all for anything whatsoever, uh, we're going to leave Steven's information in our uh, Instagram bio for a little bit. What's Um, What's his going rate right about now? I have no idea. 30 grams of coffee, like... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, depending on how much coffee you brew him, <laughs> he's guaranteed to, to pull you some there wild you beats. So, uh, this episode is going to be the beginning of our home brewing series, and today is titled Home Brewing, What's in Your Hopper? Because last week did not count. And we're not talking about bunnies. Right. <laughs> we're talking about the beginning of homebrew. Right, right. Homebrew so, basics. And we're talking about two. today more specifically origin, taste profiles, yeah. and we're going to get into roasters and, and things like that. So I'm excited. Let's, uh, let's kind of touch base with some of the things uh, that you and I were talking about sitting around the couch yeah. earlier. Um, you were talking about Brazils and Colombians and, and coffees from Mexico, Guatemala, mm-hmm. El Salvador. Now, what do you taste typically in a Brazil? Well, um, with origins, as we kind of touch base on on episode two, each you know each origin is going to have very distinct flavor profiles. So we went ahead and we kind of just threw together a list, and this is just kind of something to to look for and expect in these uh, certain regions. Um, that way, you kind of know like you know what what coffee to buy on the shelf if you see one. So typically with with Brazils, you tend to get a lot of very you know peanut buttery. Uh, kind of chocolatey notes, um, and you know most most Brazils happen to be naturals. So if it's a very good Brazil, you'll get kind of some jammy fruitness to it as well. I think the best Brazil I've had was uh, was Toby's Brooklyn Yellow Bourbon, and I'm I kid you not, it was like peanut brittled candy with a little raspberry jam on top. It was delicious it's it's amazing to me how some coffees can taste um and you were just comparing things to say peanut or chocolatey jammy and these are all things that you kind of develop over time you kind of notice hey the coffee is different in this way it tastes like this as opposed to this coffee tasting like that and Hmm. um i think what's important is that we mentioned at this point the flavor wheels that are out there for people. Um, there's one that's super amazing by ca- uh, Counterculture. It's got a really great flavor wheel. I haven't seen it. Um, I'll actually we we can leave a link to that uh, on our WordPress um, and have have something you you can look at and just look at the wheel and be like, hey, what am I tasting? Um, that flavor wheel is really awesome. Of course, always compare it to the SCAA flavor wheel. Like, do they not use the one from Counterculture? Is that counterculture's flavor wheel? I would not be surprised. So we don't really know what we're talking about <laughs> when it comes to flavor wheels. Just know flavor wheel and <laughs> counterculture has one. And and so does SCAA. <laughs> but they may or may not be the same. Um, all right. So we've decided we're going to talk about uh, two coffees each that we really have enjoyed recently. Um, and we're going to kind of go into detail on those and, and we'll move on from there. So Wes... Uh, you chose Colombia. Well, I, I want to highlight Colombia as, um, hmm, 
most surprising award of 2015. I guess if I could just start, you know, putting trophies to origins, but this has been the uh, the origin that has completely blown me away this year. Uh, starting in February, I really noticed a lot of Colombians kind of taking on this almost African characteristic. Super, super fruity in the cup. Um, you know, of course, the laced with that, you know, caramelly body. But just incredibly bright, very juicy, very sweet, very fruity. And uh, one of my favorite Colombians this year was from Onyx. It was the Granja La Esperanza Pacamara. And it was actually a, a white honey prep. Now, I don't know what makes it a white honey as opposed to a, a, a red honey or you know, any other type of color. But uh, my assumption is it's a natural, which really kind of went, it, it really brought out all that fruit and sweetness into it. And I loved it. And in Colombia's, continuously blow me away um they're doing good stuff this year yeah and i and i think a lot of people kind of uh they stray away from colombia because when whenever you think coffee that's kind of the first place you think and people who are getting into specialty coffee like to kind of run in the other direction so to speak because they want the ethiopian or something more a little more uh, you know left field <clears throat> so to speak and um I've noticed that I have as well. I've been very surprised with how Colombian coffees have tasted. And in fact, I kind of got into a really interesting conversation with a barista um, not too long ago about how I was kind of being, you know, iffy about Colombians and <laughs> they completely proved me wrong um, and gave me a, a, a cup that I was amazed with the complexity of the cup um, as opposed to thinking it was just going to be kind of your everyday cup of joe. It was something really special. Um, and so you also said Indonesia. Well, I haven't said it yet, but you just said it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Indonesian coffees have also been very eye opening. So let me just put you guys in perspective. Um, you know, before I started cupping coffees every single day of my week, um, uh, I was just, you know, your, your standard home brewer and, and I, you know, strayed very close to those Ethiopians, uh, in, in you know, those you know, Panama geishas and, and those specialty coffee, 95 plus cuppings and all that. But when I really started working at, uh, at this importing company is when I, it really kind of opened my eyes to all the other coffees out there. Uh, Colombia for one, uh, to Indonesia, like who would have known, uh, Indonesia could be so good. Normally your roasters, if you find it in Indonesian, it's going to be a dark roast from kind of larger guys, and it, it, it's whatever. It's it's leathery. Uh, I've I've heard someone describe it as it, it tastes like looking a cowboy. Now I wouldn't I wouldn't know, uh, but <laughs> I sure I, hope I, not. I guess it's a good description if you're expecting it to be kind of dusty, kind of uh, leathery. You know, kind of bold, like tobacco. You know, it's just like your man's drink. Well, but, like, yeah, tobacco. To tobacco. Now, this year, all the Indonesians I've been cupping have just been out of this world whiny. And I'm talking, like, port. I know a few people like that. <laughs> Stop complaining, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, it's super fruity. Um, I've mixed it with uh, some, some Kenya and pulled some Spro with that. Uh, but, man, Indonesian has kind of blown me away this year just with the... Uh, just blowing away the expectations for sure. Yeah, you, you don't hear too many people talking about Indonesian coffees. Um, but I had my first, you know, we, we shorten it to Indo. 
Oh yeah. I don't know in the barista world. Um, but um, yeah, same for the importing. Yeah. Yeah. Indo. So, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good to know. Um, Indo coal. Indo. So Hondo. Sometimes Eve. indie. Uh, but you know, uh, serving that behind the counter. Uh, it, it. This was my first year serving it um, and tasting it, and uh, and I really liked Indonesia coffee. Coffee and. Um, you know, I, I feel that you're right. I think it was another another coffee that was surprising to me this year. Um, and one, because it was the first time I was really tasting it, but two, because there was a lot there that I didn't expect. Mm. Um, and I guess uh, we're moving into the coffees I chose now. Um, funny enough, and I know my friends are going to make fun of me for saying this because of how I feel about Ethiopian coffees right now. Um, but Ethiopian coffees, it's kind of... It's kind of your, uh, what did we decide? It's the California roll of coffee. So as California rolls are to sushi, Ethiopian coffees are to the coffee world. Tell um, me how you really feel. That's how I really feel. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I second that. Um, you know, cupping coffees back to back over and over, you really, you, uh, it's crazy to see how region can affect the flavor. But with Ethiopia, not so much. Um, and that's just the one thing I noticed right off the bat is I could have a list of Colombias and I could have a list of Indonesias and some would be, you know, more earthy, more body, you know, very sweet. And then some Indonesians would be, you know, very fruity, very bright. But then you go, you, you start cupping these Ethiopians, uh, let's just say a Yergi, an Ethiopian Yergi chef, and they all really kind of cupped the same. Now, the acidity would kind of, you know, waver here, there. And of course, you know, there are some like amazing Ethiopians out there. But for the most part, the, 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 the character of cup didn't change much. It's, it, you're, you're pretty much always going to get your, your fruity pebble, um, sweet Ethiopian. Right. And nothing's wrong with that at all. But it gets to the point where it's like, hey, guys, there's, there's, there's more out there. That's true, and and you know, it, this is the time for me to challenge you if you're a roaster or coffee shop to kind of lean away maybe a little bit from Ethiopian and and really put yourself out there and mm. give yourself a little more edge in the market by not serving Ethiopian. You know that might actually bite you in the rear end because we are know, not consultants. Yeah. Just, we're, well, well, yeah, we're, we're not consultants for one, but f- for two, you know, people, they just want the Ethiopian. They see the word Ethiopia and they get excited and they should. It's great coffee. Well, and I admit I went through that stage. And so did I. And that's why yeah, I if, am. If I walked into a cafe and there was an Ethiopian, <clears throat> it was in my hand. Yeah. Of course, of course, because the Colombian was right next to it. Right, right. But here, here's the thing that we've learned kind of this year is that a lot of the times that Colombian is more complex Dude, than the no, Ethiopian. No kidding, man. Yeah, uh, hashtag Colombian, yo. Dude, I've been saying that since Nam. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, go out and try something new. Um, you know, Ethiopians are good, but they'll always be there, and they'll always, they'll always cup the same. And... And let me talk from a barista's perspective here for a point. Um, uh, baristas, it, at least from my perspective, we it's kind of a love-hate relationship. In fact, most of the time it's love. Hmm. Um, because there are times where you do get an Ethiopian, and most of the time, if not all the time, your espresso blend that you're kind of featuring with milk always has Ethiopian in it. 
uh, Ethiopian is really good for bringing that fruit into a blend mm. and kind of combining with some sort of South American and making a chocolatey, fruity blend that's going to be a killer tasting deal uh, on the other end of the counter when you when you uh, mark it with some milk right. or, or something like that. So don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I – do not hear what I am not saying. I am not saying Ethiopian isn't good. I am saying I'm bored. Okay. And I think that's fair. I think that's very fair to say. Yeah. Throw um, a tin on it and call it a fair. Right. And and maybe it's just the way we, we cup at an importing office, but there's there's a defect um, that – that is known, and it's called uh, ferment. And ferment is disgusting. It, it usually comes in Colombians uh, when a bean kind of sits in the fermentation tank a little too long. You can maybe get it in some Brazils, Brazil naturals, if you know you weren't raking over your, your beans as well as you should. But it, it, it's kind of scared me away from fruity coffees, in a way, in a way, because... Uh, a ferment cup is just over the top, out of control, pukey fruit. Like puke fruit. You cup it and you're wanting to gag. It is just so fruity. Um, and I've started to kind of associate over the top fruit with a defect. Hmm. And, and I don't know if maybe that's why I'm kind of staying clear from those Africans. But when I start to drink coffee, that's a little too fruity. Right. I start to, my hand starts shaking in the cup and I'm like, uh oh, am, wow, am I getting ferment? You know, I, I'm not going to mention who, but I almost called out uh, one of the leading roast, um, specialty coffee roasters Uh-oh. when I, I purchased a bag of Colombian and I swear it was a straight ferment brew. No and way. And I had the email all typed up. It's probably still my draft mail, but I didn't really have the nerve to send what it. What stopped you? Uh, just, you know, not rolling with the players yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, let me get you my second coffee here, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, it's all good. Uh, I'm not really going to have too much to say here, but I did have a really good Burundi um, from Huckleberry Roasters out of Denver, Colorado. So I got to give a holla uh, to oh, them. Yeah. Uh, they they did you, really did you say Huckleberry? Huckle Huckleberry. Huckleberry. No Huckleberry. Huckleberry. Uh, Denver, Col- <laughs> <laughs> Denver, Colorado. We're working on our our, our uh, speaking right. here here at the Coffee Podcast. <laughs> okay, but we we did come together and we agreed on a coffee. And you want to say it in three, <clears throat> three, Two. yeah, yeah. But but on One. like three, uh, yes, Kenya. Kenya. <laughs> there we go. Kenya has just been amazing, man. Uh, so amazing. I right now I'm getting way too excited about the fact that every single cup I've had from Kenya has just been so good. Oh my gosh, so good. Mm. Talk about it. What's there to say? Everything. Everything, right. I mean, you've got a Kenya AB, you've got Kenya AAs, all different screen sizes, all different elevations, and they are all proving it in the cup. Talk about sweet. Talk about fruit. Talk about acid bombs, man. These Kenyas (laughs) just... uh, Every morning, man, I I start my day, uh, Jay and I, one of the uh, the traders over at Serengeti, we just... This is our favorite part of the day. We get together and we just... we, We pull... Uh, Kenya, and you know it's usually like a six-day roast, um, but just in fact, uh, I actually just cupped um, two Krani AAs back to back. Before I knew this, now listen, and I get this. So I uh, <laughs> spit it out, man. Spit it out. Too excited, man. Too excited. Uh, so 
the Karani AAs, I cupped them both. It was, uh, it was the tweed versus the novel. Wow. These, these are both roasters in Texas. These are both roasters in Dallas. Oh, that's right. Straight both in Dallas. out of Dallas, man. And, and these coffees were blind cupping them just, it got real, real fast. <laughs> and, and I didn't even know this, but after I, I made a little Instagram post on my personal account. Yeah. And um, this guy actually hit me up and he said, uh, I guess there was this golden bean roasting competition. And 40 other roasters had the Karani AA. What? And they they all roasted them up. And they had, like, this this judging panel. I wish I was and, a judge. Oh, could, but think of it. The same coffee, 40 different roast profiles. That How is, could you pick? They're all amazing. Like, I don't... If I were sitting there with, like, a clipboard, it'd be, like, 93. And then I'd cut the next one. Oh, this one's a 93. It, so that means the other one's a 92.5. Like, I wouldn't... It'd have to be, it. like, like you use your, your scale for coffee. You'd have to go to the 10th. Right. And you're right. It would get real, real you'd have You'd start using, like, your eraser on the back, you know, like, trying to, yeah. trying to get them in order. But, yeah, anyway, so 40 roasters went down on this Karani AA, and one came out the victor. Uh, Who came out? Dude, I knew you were going to ask. I set myself up for that one. I'll, oh, don't, don't worry I about don't, it. Yeah. We will tell you who who won that because this matters. It Oh, for sure. So Coffee matters. The point of all that was to say, you better go right now wherever you are. If you're driving in your car on the way to work, you better stop. You better stop at the store and grab yourself <laughs> some Kenya. Can you preach it? Any louder. Uh, you know, what do they, <laughs> what do they say? I'll preach you turn the pages. I don't know. Right. Uh, so anyway, now let's talk about our most memorable cups of coffee. This is getting back to, to kindergarten coffee for right. us. This, this is the coffee uh, that still lives with me to this day. Uh, and, and it was... okay. Wait, what does that mean? It means when I close my eyes... <laughs> The taste is still on my tongue. Okay, awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so going back to Ethiopia, the most memorable cup for me uh, was from Kova out of Portland. <laughs> Seattle. Seattle. I don't know why I said Portland. Well, you got it. I got it in the end. But yeah, Kova. Kova Coffee Roasters. And it was their Colenso, Ethiopian Colenso. And I think it was a Sadamo. It wasn't a Yurgachev because this was the very first coffee that I smelled blueberry in the in the whole bean, and I tasted just blueberry muffin in the cup. Yeah, that's and incredible. It, and it opened my eyes completely. Like, I never had anything like it before. So that being said, you know, Ethiopia is a great place to get started if you haven't really experienced a lot of single origins. Absolutely. Because it's kind of not what you expect out of a coffee at all. Right. So it's definitely, like, groundbreaking when you when you try an Ethiopian for the first time brewed properly, right. so and we and we even said earlier, I love smelling. I think it is Sadamo. It's great where it's like fruity pebbles. Oh yeah, or um um, yeah no, just straight up fruity, fruity pebbles. pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, this is this is kind of a story. Uh, you know, I went I went to the local coffee shop, the specialty shop, yeah. and <clears throat> I got a cup of coffee. And I was just kind of in a rush, and I was just tasting it. And I hadn't really had my first great cup yet. I had good stuff. But anyway, I grabbed this cup, and it was, I, I believe it's pronounced Isco from El Salvador. Isco? And, I, and maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. And maybe 
it was from counterculture because I know that that shop was serving a lot of counterculture. I, I don't remember the roaster. What was the name the, of the shop? Houndstooth. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I remember like sitting in my Jeep and I could smell it coming from like the cup. I could smell the aroma and I was like, that smells incredible. I thought you were going to say coming from the exhaust. <laughs> and I picked it up. And I tasted it, and I was like, "This tastes exactly how it smells." Wow! And my, Isn't that just awesome? That's when, one like, of the, the stars align. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> when the flavor and the smell align. You've done something right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, to me, that it was so mind blowing. So later, my Jeep broke down, and I was stuck at home, and I lived a good deal away from the shop. Right. And I just craved that coffee. <laughs> So sure enough, I just I walked, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was raining. I walked two miles in the snow <laughs> to get to another cup. Tooth to get that cup. To get another cup. <laughs> That's true, and it was that good, and wow. that was revolutionary wow. in in my in my coffee endeavors, and that's really it took me off the deep end, and hmm. here I am. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, everybody has their cup that's been revolutionary. Um, and if you don't, you will, if you, if you continue in this way, stick with it. Yeah, Yeah. actually, um, and that brings me to a point recently, we've had, uh, quite a great response from the Instagram community and, and one person in particular, uh, just, it made my week. Um, she, she admitted to, uh, not going to Starbucks at all for this entire week. And it sounded like this is the first time this has happened. Yeah, and and, she, and right after the first episode, she bought herself a Hario uh, burr grinder, and she got a French press, and she is just home brewing it up, and I cannot you know be any happier for that for that. That for is her. really exciting. Uh, it's going to be a fun road for sure. And here's the thing too: is we want to help we want to help people find recipes, make recipes, and do it right. So do remember to comment also and we want to open this to discussion like if you've had that cup of coffee if you had the you know two miles in the snow kind of cup of coffee tell us about it put it on instagram and hashtag uh the coffee podcast um what first cup maybe or we'll, we'll figure something out there but tell us about it and let's start a discussion let's talk about our favorite coffees we want this to be a place you can come and talk about the things that you love about coffee mm um, and with that, let's move on into uh, an interesting discussion about natural and washed coffees. And we're going to talk about Ethiopians. We don't have a lot of time left, but let's let's kind of touch on this. So when we're talking about washed and natural coffees, this has to do with the um, the processing of the bean itself at origin. So when you've got a washed coffee, this is uh, the coffee that after the pulp is removed from the parchment, your coffee is going to be sitting in a fermentation tank, which is essentially it's like a four-foot swimming pool um, that the uh, the beans just kind of sit in contact with water, and it it ferments up in there, and uh, eventually, you know, that's its fermentation process. Right. And this is where you see the pictures of the guys kind of like with their stepping, with their pants, you know, rolled up and they're like up, walking right. in it, you know, and with with rakes and stuff. Uh, yeah, that's that's washed coffee. And, and in the cup, they're generally going to be, um, you know, brighter in acidity. They're going to be a lot cleaner to the taste. They're going to be crisper in the mouthfeel. And they're going to generally be a little more complex. Uh, hmm. You're going to be able to taste more of those complexities in there. Right. Uh, and, and, and with naturals. That also goes into the processing, but after the pulp is removed, 
Um, with the mucilage still attached to the parchment, these beans are laid out on either flatbeds or like a large tarp. Right. And, and these guys go out with rakes and they just rake these rows of, of coffee that's actually drying in the sun. That's why you see right. sun-dried coffee where the mucilage is still in contact with the bean and it, it kind of just soaking up the sun, getting a little tan. And, and that's what in the cup produces this super almost wild. And let's put wild in parentheses because that's... That can mean anything that, to it's, anybody. It's not like an SEA term or anything. This right. is just... To me, it's like a wild cup. It's crazy fruity. Uh, Hard to dial in. Insane sweetness. Like, <laughs> you know, when you go with a natural, watch out. Like, those guys are going to pop you in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's fruity. Yeah. No, I, I love this about about Ethiopians because it is quite different to get a natural. And I know I prefer natural over – or I'm sorry – I said it backwards. I prefer a washed over natural because I like the complexity. Yeah. And but there is a real kind of specialness, specialness, and uh, in drinking something that somebody was raking and had sun dried and like, there's just something to that that makes me want to want to just buy it and drink it and kind of sit there and wonder. Yeah. Which is also great. <laughs> um, all the hands that went into your cup. That's true. We talk about that. Um, all right. So. Let's touch on one final topic real quick. What is that? Wes cups so many cups of coffee a day, like a ridiculous amount. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to ask him a few questions here about cupping and what he's learned Hmm. through cupping all these things in quality control. Um, So let me start with Wes, what have you learned the most in cupping so much? What have I learned the most? Um, I've learned the importance of roast profiles. <laughs> okay. And, um, and that's really not much about the cup. So let me try and, uh, with cupping, I've learned kind of to have an open mind about coffee. Okay. Because as I, I stated earlier in the episode, uh, this year, my expectations have just been blown out the window with trying coffees from places I would have never actually given a chance Okay. And that's and that's true. I would have never given Columbia a chance if I was not, you know, kind of forced it. to cup right, it in a room. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, we're not cupping, you know, 98 plus <laughs> coffees every single day. So I'm cupping, you know, some of the lower grades as well and it, it it's kind of provided this opened uh, open-mindedness to um coffees of of all qualities from all regions. And, and I, I root for the underdog now. I mean, with with coffee, you never know what to expect. Right. And you should never uh, go into a coffee, you know, knowing or thinking that you'll know how it's going to cup, you know, before you've actually tried it. Hmm. That's really interesting um, that your perspective on coffee is really opened up, like now that you're... You said like rooting for the underdog. That's a really interesting way to put it. So you look at the ones that are typically kind of looked down upon and you root that they're going to taste delicious. Well, and it took a while for me to get to that that stage um, because when I first started working there, no, I wouldn't give them a chance. You know, if, if they didn't cup, you know, like the specialty cup of excellence coffees, hmm. 
you know, I, I wanted nothing to do with it. But somewhere along along the roads, uh, it, it, it hit me like it, you know, coffee is delicious. Right. Uh, and coffee is coffee. And, and people work, um, work the fields. They pick the cherries. They process it. Real they, people. And they do this for touching. a living. I yeah. mean, just one harvest alone, you can bring in 1,000 farmer or 1,000 pickers. That's amazing. And, and every single one of those pickers has a family. So let's multiply that by like three. Right. That's, you know, 4,000 people that rely on this coffee. And, you know, sure, it's not going to be auctioned off at $60 a pound. Sure, it's not going to be the next cup of excellence. But these are real lives that matter. And, and this is their, their way of, of making a living in this world. So it, it's kind of, it's become more of a... Coffee's become more of kind of a, a love of people and uh, not just a love of, of cup. I've kind of learned to appreciate all aspects of coffee and not just the flavor in my hand. Right. And that really brings into the heart of what we are trying to do uh, is to get people around essentially a product, but something that is... Coffee has such a such a culture in, in and of itself of community. Mm. And I think the discussion you've just opened up is how many hands touch this before I end up drinking it, you know, and what are the lives of those people like, you know, not just the barista or the roaster or the trader mm. and going back and back and back, but the fact that there are farmers and families and, and, Wes, I think that's a great conversation, and we should continue this uh, on social media. This is the coffee experience. It is. And that wraps things up for this episode of The Coffee Podcast. Tune in with us again next week for another episode. Happy brewing.